All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. Yes, those are the words of the immortal William Shakespeare from the play As You Like It. And these words epitomize the action that takes place in the movie that I've chosen for today's episode of Think Spiritual Podcasts. Although in today's example, it's not one man playing many parts. It's one woman. Sort of. It's a little complicated, okay? Uh, Look, today's movie is Zack Snyder's 2011 critical flop, Sucker Punch. And before we get started, I want to tell you why it was a critical flop. Because this entire movie is symbolism and emotion, and all of its critics and detractors were intellectually and ideologically analyzing the movie. Trust me when I say this, Sucker Punch is an exceedingly deep and emotional, feminine-driven, eros movie that will make zero sense to your intellectual, male-driven psyche. And all of those elements are the stars of the show. Hello, Spiritual Seekers, and welcome to yet another episode of Think Spiritual Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Mark, and as I said in the introduction, today's Deeper Meaning of Movies episode is going to focus on Sucker Punch. Now, this movie surprised me when I watched it. I thought it was based off a graphic novel or anime, and it certainly carries that look, but it turned out it was an original story by Zack Snyder. And wow, what a story! I admit it can be a little confusing to wrap your head around the perspective of it, and you'll probably have to watch it a few times to grasp all the symbolism, if it's even possible to grasp all the symbolism. I think I've watched this movie five times to prepare for this script, and I still can't figure out all the archetypes that are represented. And archetypes are the primary players in Sucker Punch, and they're represented even more blatantly and brilliantly than Thor Ragnarok did. However, the archetypes in Sucker Punch are also deeper, and more complex, and more nuanced than the basic versions we see in Thor Ragnarok. Each archetype in Sucker Punch can represent a multitude of personality traits and emotions. Some of them are purely symbolic, while others are representations of real people within the story. I think what I'll do at this point is summarize the movie for you, and then we can take a look at the symbolism in various scenes and of the movie as a whole. Oh, and as usual for me, spoilers will abound here. Go and watch the movie first if you don't want anything ruined for you. And go see it right now. The story begins with the girl we come to know as Baby Doll. Her mother dies, her stepfather believed that he was going to inherit her wealth, but the mother left it to her two daughters. In a fit of rage, the stepfather attacks the girls, and with the bigger implication being that he is going to rape the younger sister. Baby Doll threatens him with a gun. She fires over his shoulder and the ricochet kills her sister. This sets up Baby Doll being sent to a mental asylum where her stepfather is paid an intern to forge a doctor's signature and have Baby Doll lobotomized, and this is scheduled to happen in five days. Baby Doll overhears a doctor say, You control this world. Now, there's more to this line than that, and I'll quote it in full later, but Baby Doll begins to view the asylum as a brothel, slightly nicer furnishings than the asylum, but just as much of a prison. So in this brothel, every girl must dance, but when Baby Doll dances, we don't see her dance. Every dance for her is a battle, and what we see on screen is those battle sequences. The story centers on five women, Baby Doll, Rocket, Blondie, Amber, and Sweet Pea, and their goal is to escape the brothel, 
and a wise man has told them that they need a map, a fire, a knife, a key, and a mystery item to achieve their freedom. The women gain three of the items, but their plan is discovered. Rocket, Amber, and Blondie are murdered. Baby Doll is lobotomized, and Sweet Pea escapes. And yes, if you're thinking that's a terrible ending, just know that I've definitely left out more than a few details, which I will most likely cover as we unravel the symbolism of this movie, of which the very first bit of it shows up in the opening Warner Brothers and Production Company logo sequence. The very first thing we see is a stage. And remember, all the world's a stage. Well, we could also say that all of the mind is a stage, or even better, that all of the soul is a stage. As I've said for nearly every movie that I've analyzed on Think Spiritual Podcast, you have to visualize all of that on-screen action happening within yourself, within your imagination, within your thoughts, within your feelings, within your mind, within your very soul. And all of Sucker Punch is happening within one character's soul, and we hear her voice as she tells us that we all have a hero within us. Everyone has an angel. A guardian who watches over us. We can't know what form they'll take. One day, old man. Next day, little girl. But don't let appearances fool you. They can be as fierce as any dragon. Yet they're not here to fight our battles. But to whisper from our hearts. Reminding that it's us. It's every one of us who holds the power over the worlds we create. Now we get the entire scene where Baby Doll's mother dies, where her stepfather attacks her and her sister, and where her sister dies. So what we have here is the birth of trauma and the death of innocence. I don't think there's anyone who has not experienced any trauma in their life. Of course, it varies greatly from one person to another, some people overcome incredibly damaging life events, while others can't seem to get past the smallest of personal slights, even. Either way, regardless of the degree, trauma kills innocence. Once your world has been unmade, it can't be remade as it was before. You can only move forward and build something new. However, when it comes to trauma, what most of us do is lock ourselves in a prison of guilt and self-loathing. That's what the mental asylum and the brothel represent. We feel like we're crazy and unworthy of love. And whether we realize it or not, we are the one in control of our own prison. It's like we talk about. You control this world. Let the pain go. Let the hurt go. Let the guilt go. What you're imagining right now, that world you control, that place can be as real as any pain. It is here in this mental asylum, or brothel, where the outwardly programmed ego, or perhaps the false persona, the character known as Blue and a host of other depraved men in this movie, this is where they keep the battered feminine, the emotions, the eros, the depths of the soul. And to escape this prison, this asylum, this den of rape and defilement, that's the goal, the call to adventure, of the feminine, of the emotions, to escape the trauma and begin the journey of who you truly meant to be, the hero's journey. What else could it be? And in order to do this, a tool is needed. Something that can awaken the emotions. Something that can get them working together. Something that can allow you to access your inner temple where wisdom awaits you. This tool is any form of art, whether it be movies or books or paintings or music 
or as in the case in Sucker Punch, dancing. If you do not dance, you have no purpose. And we don't keep things here that have no purpose. You see, your fight for survival starts right now. You don't want to be judged? You won't be. You don't think you're strong enough? You are. You're afraid. Don't be. You have all the weapons you need. Now fight. Honestly, it was that scene and those words that woke me up to the deep meaning of this movie. From now on, you're going to hear me say that line very often. You have all the weapons you need. Now fight. Dancing, or art in general, keeps the programmed ego mesmerized, giving the emotions a chance to wage war upon the inner workings of our psyche. Wisdom informs us that five things are needed to gain our freedom. Number one is a map. We need directions, a pathway to follow. This map, for us, could be a support group, a 12-step program, counseling, good friends, a self-help book, a meditative practice, a... ugh, there I say it. I will, but proceed with caution, a religion, anything that gives us guidance out of our trauma and the prisons of our mind. Number two is a fire. We need a fire within us. We need passion and drive and cleansing. And as I've said in previous episodes, this is exactly what fire generally represents in movies. Number three is a knife. We always need something that will cut the ties that bind us to our pain and suffering, or something that can cut through the bullshit and lies that we feed ourselves. Maybe this is even a breaking away from people who keep dragging us down. And number four is a key. We always need to unlock the prison we keep ourselves in. It's not our programmed ego that should have control of that key to our soul. Our true self requires that key. And wisdom then tells us that one more thing is needed to gain our freedom. But it's a mystery. It's the goal. And it's going to require a deep sacrifice. We are then told to defend ourselves from judgment, weakness, and fear. Remember, we have all the weapons we need, and we are strong enough to use them. Once we have our weapons, once we are determined to escape, to be free, to make our life better, once we believe that we are the hero, that internal judgment gets beheaded, weakness takes a bullet to the head, and fear gets cut in half. Then we take command of the situation, and we can begin to rally the rest of our emotions. Do you want to be free? Come with me. We can do it. We can escape. We can deny our angels exist, convince ourselves they can't be real, but they show up anyway, at strange places and at strange times. They can speak through any character we can imagine. They'll shout through demons if they have to, daring us, challenging us to fight. Now, I want to point out here that this is why Sucker Punch uses hyper-femininity to tell its story, just as 300 used hyper-masculinity to tell its epic. As I've said, the feminine symbolizes our emotions. Our emotions, our sensibilities, our empathy, and our compassion are all capable weapons against our unfeeling intellect. However, our feminine is also easily abused and repressed by our programmed ego. See how this fits in Western society right now? Society is a reflection of the inner workings of the human soul, not the other way around. This is why I always say to change yourself, change your world. We can't change the outer world until our inner world is at least in some semblance of balance. Look at the fight scene for the map in Sucker Punch. We see the ladies at war with undead Nazi automatons. 
How many people are walking around in that state of mind right now? When our emotions have been neglected and rejected, we live in that robotic-like state. And look at the scene a little closer. There are men fighting the automatons as well, but they're not men. They're boys. The immature and repressed masculine is here fighting this war as well. Even wisdom was repressed at one time. Remember how he was locked in his temple? It had to be destroyed to set him free. The men in Sucker Punch are not the masculine archetypes. They are immaturity and programmed ego and false persona, which is exactly what patriarchy is in the real world. Always, always, always that programmed ego is watching us, suspicious of what we're doing. And when it catches us, there will be hell to pay. So some of these battles we wage are pure victories, while others come at a severe cost to our true self. As we fight to escape our inner prisons, there are parts of us that have to die along the way. And this is why I say that the archetypes represented in Sucker Punch are multi-layered and complex. Let's look at Rocket. She's young and impetuous. She ran away from home. She's the first one to jump on board when she hears Baby Doll's plan to escape. Rocket is faith. But Rocket is also guilt. Rocket feels that she is at fault for Sweet Pea being imprisoned with her. She feels that if she had just been a better person that none of this would have happened to them. Guilt has to die before the self can be free. And what about Amber? Amber is courage, possibly even love. This is why she's the pilot, the one who soars and cheers and controls the airways around your battles. She gets you into the field of battle and carries you away in victory. But Amber is also timidity, possibly another version of fear. She's always afraid of getting caught and being in trouble. She wants to sit in the back of the room and not be noticed. Amber doesn't want to rock the boat if she doesn't have to. Timidity has to die before the self can be free. And dear sweet Blondie, what about her? Blondie is our keen perception or knowledge of the way the world works. She's a specialist and knows all the tricks of the trade. She's good with her hands, good with her heart, and better with a 50 caliber automatic weapon. But Blondie is also our gullibility or our foolishness. She wants to feel good all the time and she wants to believe that everything will be just fine. She trusts too easily and is hurt too easily and is misled too easily. That gullibility, that foolishness, also has to die before the self can be free. And finally, Baby Doll. Baby Doll, the little blonde bombshell that no one would ever expect to be one of the greatest heroes that anyone could have at their side. Baby Doll is hope incarnate. She unleashes wisdom from the chains of his temple. She takes down judgment, weakness, and fear. She leads faith, courage, and knowledge on seemingly impossible missions all in the hope of freeing the self from the imprisonment and slavery. But baby doll is also pain. Pain is a motivator. Pain and suffering are actually the birth parents of hope, because we always hope for something greater. But pain can also birth a victim mentality or a raging hulk within us, and that is why she must be a willing sacrifice if the self is to ever be free. That pain has to be lobotomized. It still exists, it never goes away, but it's sent to a place where it has no power over us, to a place where the programmed ego can't use it to control us. Which finally brings us to Sweet Pea, the true self, the true protagonist of this story. Sweet Pea, who is the actor and player on this stage of her life. Sweet Pea, who with all four of our heroes finds her way to freedom, cleanses and purifies her soul with fire, stabs her programmed ego to loose his hold on her, and finally unlocks and escapes her prison by sacrificing her pain. It is Sweet Pea who winds up in a new place, clean and bright, dressed in white, but still poor in spirit. She boards a bus to an unknown destination. 
Many new archetypes and potential heroes are aboard with her. Notice that one is the immature masculine that we saw on the battlefield before. He's no longer wounded, and I'm guessing he doesn't quite trust Sweet Pea yet, going by the look that he gives her. And it's Sweet Pea who sums this movie up better than I could ever, ever hope to. And finally, this question. The mystery of whose story it will be. Of who draws the curtain. Who is it that chooses our steps in the dance? Who drives us mad? Lashes us with whips and crowns us with victory when we survive the impossible. Who is it that does all these things? Who honors those we love with the very life we live? Who sends monsters to kill us? And at the same time sings that we'll never die? Who teaches us what's real? And how to laugh at lies? Who decides why we live and what we'll die to defend? Who chains us? And who holds the key that can set us free? It's you. You have all the weapons you need. Now fight. And there we have it once again, dear listeners. My interpretation of the incredible, soul-impacting movie, Sucker Punch. Honestly, I think this movie is slowly creeping its way into my heart as my number one all-time favorite. It may even replace Willow as my Desert Island pick. Thank you very much for listening or watching today. Please like, share, comment, criticize, subscribe. If you care to support the podcast, please visit my Reverb sales page for music gear or my Etsy sales page for vintage items sourced by my lovely Christine. I'm hoping to add some podcast-related items to the Etsy shop as well, but I haven't had time to focus on that yet. And you may also choose to simply send me some cash via PayPal. As much as I prefer my inner world, my outer world still has bills to pay and a body to feed. I'll check into a Patreon page at some point too, but I'd like to hear some ideas from you as to what services or other content I could offer on that format. I have been your host, Mark. This has been an exploration of the deeper meanings of the 2011 film Sucker Punch. And trust me, I think I barely squeezed this movie for what it contains. And I know that if you raise up hope, faith, courage, and knowledge, that you absolutely will free yourself from your internal prisons and thus be free to change your world for the better. You have all the weapons you need. Now fight! Okay, how could I not end the episode without that line? I swear I'm stealing it from now on. I will see you on the next episode of Think Spiritual Podcast. It's like we talked about, you control this world. Uh, Oh, (laughs) that's not my line. (laughs) I knew that would happen.